Good morning. This is such a limited time. I don't want to waste a minute and I want to launch right into this. And it's my heart and goal that you see Jesus and that he is fully reflected in your ministries and your churches. That's all I want to have happen today. That's a big thing. But I believe the Lord is here to do that. Lord, release the revelation of Jesus Christ. Release your revelation into this room that we would see you and know what to do next, where to go next. Chart the path to more of Jesus and everything. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Matthew 16, 18, you know that scripture very well. And that is Jesus saying, I'm going to build my church. And he builds it, as Tyron said earlier this week, uh, on the revelation of the exalted Christ, Jesus revealed by the Father in heaven. No plans, no layout of man makes this thing work. It's seeing Jesus. It's his revelation that we're able to build with. Otherwise, we have nothing to offer the world. And I just want to say today, that's the big point. Jesus builds the church, but he doesn't build it alone. Lest we under, misunderstand, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 11, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I have laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay, can lay a foundation other than Jesus Christ. This is so simple. If we'd stay here, life and ministry would work much better. Jesus defines all that we can do and all that we can build. He is not just the foundation. He is the definition of anything that is built upon him. And anything that sips outside of him and loses the focus of him becomes a mutatious non-expression of Christianity. God wants to deliver us from that. And so that foundation is Jesus. And I want to say we have no permission from Jesus to build anything but that which is in alignment and, and reflecting Jesus Christ in his fullness. That's what he's called us to. When Paul planted churches, he just planted them left and right. When he planted churches, he laid a foundation of Jesus. And Jesus, the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. Grace is connected to the person. All of God's riches at Christ's expense, the, the empowering presence of heaven comes in Jesus. Grace comes through Jesus. You get the law with Moses, and hopefully they're not getting the law in your churches. Grace, by faith in Jesus' name, and the faith that comes from Jesus' name. We're saved by grace through faith, and it's all made to work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? That's what he's created us for. And that's the nature of the churches we build. That's what the foundation of Jesus sets in place. And you stay in line with that or you will mutate into something that has the effect of obscuring Jesus Christ. That is so bad. And there's a lot of that in religion, isn't there? He'd plant these churches, then he'd go and plant another one. And while he was gone, nice Jewish Christians, probably from Jerusalem, would slip in and they would say, you know, Paul started you out pretty well. If he had a little more time, he would really probably suggest if you want to get holy, you want to qualify for God's end times, big team, the A team of God, then the way you do that is add a little Jewishness to the mix. Some of you are in that. Knock it off. 
you get all the Jewishness you can possibly get by being linked in the tree, the heritage of Jesus. You don't need to wear a yarmulke on a prayer show. Not that that's an evil thing. But some people think more Jewish is more Jesus. It's not. More Jesus is Jesus. Very simple. And so Paul had these worries. Some religious idiot would come along and they'd want to add on something to the foundation. This is a good place to start. But if we want to really move on in the things of God, then we need to add a few things. And so people are always trying to add on to the foundation as though their revelation needed to exceed just the parameters of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you today, there is no revelation beyond Jesus Christ for us. No revelation. Somebody, somebody may be hopping and popping and it's happening more down the street and we want to chase after that. Listen, if it's not Jesus, thoroughly, through and through, it's not worth your time and energy. Because in Him is the sum total of spiritual knowledge. In Him is everything we need for life and godliness. It's not outside of the dimensions of Jesus Christ. We build within that foundation. The other worry he had was that somebody would come along and and he's worried about what they're going to build on Jesus. Is it going to obscure and diminish and hide Jesus? And so Paul often had to come back in and help him see Jesus again. I can't get enough of that from Tyron. I am thankful for that. He has a magnetic compass that all of us need to stay ruthlessly, relentlessly fixated and focused on Jesus Christ and nothing else. That will take you where you need to go as a church. So Paul was worried what would happen. And and I love this exhortation in 1 Corinthians because he's saying, take care how you build. It's like, watch this thing very carefully. That is, see to it some things are done. And the whole point of that is leaders do not haphazardly build. We must build with intentionality. What we build, we build. God, we're to follow the patterns of God. We're to be intentional about it. And the thing most of all we're to be intentional about is that Jesus Christ is the thing that is seen and done in our midst. Period. Oh, you've heard this before. May you hear it every day. May you be the preacher of this message. There is no message for us beyond the king and his kingdom. And there is no context for the kingdom except the king, Jesus. That's how we know these things. Our role as leaders is to make arrangements, to be intentional, to build in line with what things, with with Jesus Christ, so that what we build looks like Jesus, reflects Jesus, brings glory and honor and esteem, brings the supremacy of Christ, the first place of Christ in all things. In practice, there are two things we've got to take care about. I think our mission is to make disciples. We know that, right? But what kind of disciples? They better be disciples that reflect Jesus, not something else. Disciple making is only as successful as successful as we're making, conforming people to the image of Jesus. And then the Great Commission. And hopefully we're not planting churches other than churches that are Jesus churches. We're Trinitarian in our theology, but the point is the church is the expression of Jesus Christ on earth. And so the mission 
is the, is the great commission. We make disciples, but our method is to plant and build and strengthen new covenant churches that are only fixated and saturated with Jesus Christ. That's our method. That's our mission. And so the question is, how do we intentionally reflect Jesus in our disciple making and our church building? It's a bigger subject than I have. I'm praying for the gift of editing and I'm going to be on time. I know or I'll be shot. So... <laughs> Retooling our churches. That is, let's rethink what we're doing in our churches so that they fully reflect Jesus Christ. And let me just give you some thoughts toward that direction as you're building and working in your churches. Number one, start with intentionally developing a Jesus culture in your church. I'm not talking about a CD, Jesus culture CD, you know, culture. You know, there may be some Jesus in all of that. I don't really know for sure. And I don't know what their ministry is. But we need to be a Jesus culture. That's the core of what defines us. And you say, how do you do that? Jesus being central to everything. Letter A, you repeatedly make it clear that Jesus is what this whole thing is about. Now listen. The temptation is to think, well, we've been there, we've done that, we've said this about Jesus, now we can move on to some other things. If you ever move on to other things and lose the constant focus on Jesus, you've moved on the right, wrong direction. In a Jesus culture church, we always keep the head on top. I love this. The biggest danger we can slip in with that with church building is that Paul says it this way, Colossians 2.19. He says, not holding fast to the head. I think this is a core problem. From whom the whole body is nourished and knit together, the danger is that we lose our head building the church, growing and developing our churches. And the danger is we get pulled into some spiritual mysticism or something. Because down the street, it's the, it's the church of the what's happening now. And they seem to have it all together. Listen, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I learn lessons from all churches. But the danger is that I might lose connectedness to the head who is everything. The next great move of God. Some theology, some philosophy, some good doctrines. We lose our head in the process. And Paul ran into this constantly. Folks, this is only about Christ. Therefore, we hold firmly to the head. Churches lose their heads. I think the brain falls out with it too, you know? Paul is showing us, I think this is the real issue in our lives, personally, and in the church world, uh, generally speaking. There's a real root of our problems. I think the problem is we don't hold firmly to the head all the time, constantly. And that's why I say every solution to Paul, of Paul to every problem in the church that he faced in his churches wasn't to beat him up for being stupid. How could you fall for this? I mean, he, he calls the Galatians foolish. It's like, you have a brain, but you forgot to use it. And by the way, if you forget to use your brain in Christianity, you're in something other than Christianity. It always stays active, but it's sanctified and renewed through the thinking of Jesus Christ. 
Every solution was that, that he would point them to the head. He didn't beat them up for being uh, idiots, but he raved about Jesus to show the beauty and the supremacy and the exalted glory of Christ, that he is worthy of everything. And they would reconnect the churches to the head and stop making it about something else. I don't know where you're at today, but if you've made it about something else, you're in the wrong direction. Time to turn back. Time to make it only about Jesus. Well, it's not as exciting as someplace else. Hey, listen, I don't know anyone more exciting than Jesus. And if you don't know him, he's not all that exciting. Maybe church leaders need to know him more. Yeah, that's what it's about. So it's about being Christocentric, Christ-centered. That means how we teach about things. We teach about the Spirit's ministry and gifts and power. We love and honor God, the Holy Spirit. But we understand the Spirit has chosen to make Jesus the point. So all Holy Spirit ministry better be shouting Jesus and revealing Jesus. Or I'm not interested in that. And he's not interested in that. The Spirit isn't. When the Helper comes, John 14, uh, 16, 14, he will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare to you the work of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus. John 15, 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send from my Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Everything about the Spirit is directed toward Jesus. The same with the Father. What does he say as his baptism is happening? The voice of heaven, Matthew 17, 5, opens up and the voice of the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And I just want to say, it's time to just listen to him and see what God can do. We know Philippians 2, 9 through 10, he's on top. And basically, Jesus is the issue. And ironically, when uh, when we don't give ourselves to Jesus as the focus, we dishonor the Holy Spirit and the Father. You see, we can't have a biblical Jesus culture that isn't keeping the head on straight. And I think that's a relentless responsibility of leadership. You come back to that relentlessly and say, I don't care if you heard it before. I'm going to come at it a different angle. But we need to be reminded of, I found the truth of, of Jesus Christ, grace, faith, and the power of the Spirit is the slipperiest truth in the world. We want to slip into some religion, add a little law to Jesus, a little law to grace. We want to add a few works to somehow earn God's credits uh, instead of just living and accessing the things of God by faith. We want to tap in with our willpower and strength instead of simply drawing the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't fall for that. It is the path to death. So you repeatedly make it clear that Jesus is everything. And let her be the model. You model that it's all about Jesus in your own life as a leader in every facet of your church. See, I can't create a Jesus culture in my, in my church if Jesus isn't the rave of my own life. And we could bring team guys in forever, but if it's not the core in you as a leader and a leadership team, it won't happen. I can't create that. I must intentionally make Jesus the meat and the gravy of the meal, which to me is all there is. Forget the veggies. I went to carnivore the other night. I said, across the street, I didn't see, I didn't see herbivore. 
I want meat and potatoes. Jesus is the meat and potatoes. Anything else is kale and parsley on the, ta- on the plate. I intentionally make Jesus everything. In your preaching, is Jesus the entree? Every meal. Or is he just decorative parsley on your plate? He's always the main man. If he's not, start over in your sermon preparation and planning. The point of Scripture is that Jesus is the point of Scripture. John 5.39. You search the Scripture. These are they that bear witness of me. The Scripture is written about Jesus. How you look at the Old Testament can be so messed up. The point of the Old Testament is it's pointing to Jesus. If you're doing studies in the Old Testament and just fascinated with all the ceremonial stuff, great, it's interesting. But if you're not seeing Jesus in that, you're giving people nothing. In a Jesus culture, we keep focused on the lordship of Christ, leaning heavily on the gospel, the Jesus story. We view even his humanity through the filter of his exalted lordship right now. Prioritize his story, his actions, his style, his methods. Yes, as 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, we no longer know him after the flesh. But the point is, we see him and his flesh to know what the invisible God is like. But we always keep in mind, he's not, you know, Jesus out on the road. He's the exalted Lord of heaven and earth. And that changes how we look at what he does. If you're not a Jesus freak, then your messages are freakish. (laughs) Leaders, people are supposed to follow you insofar as you follow Christ. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Is there enough imitation for you to to be even followed? Because I'll tell you what, there's nothing in me that's worth imitating except Jesus. What are you raving about personally and publicly? So to build that culture, you repeatedly make it clear it's about Jesus. That's the focus. You model that it's about Jesus in your own life as a leader and in every aspect of your meetings. Number two, to retool our churches to fully reflect Jesus. Start with God's big purposes in mind and then adjust what you're doing in light of that in the now. I think sometimes we're short-sighted. We're to be intentional. And if we're honest, most of us have a lot of great biblical ideas about what church should be. There's a ton of people down the street to tell you it should look like this, it should look like that. But we're really unclear about how this all fits together. It means building haphazardly and reactively, which is always dangerous. We need to stop and get clear about where we're actually going with disciple-making and church-building. Where is God taking us Know these scriptures. Ephesians 4.13. It's saying we're headed toward the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. History is taking us there in the church. That is the fullness of Jesus Christ. Manifest, clear, openly, openly seen. It's only when the fullness of Jesus Christ rises up in his church... We have a glorious church that's so revealing Jesus that the world can effectively be reached. And I want to say revival is not out there. Stop looking for it out there. It's in the church. Why? Because the fullness of Jesus is already here. He lives in you. You didn't get a little Jesus. You got the whole deal. 
And he lives in you. And it's, it's like the, the function of the prophetic to help us see what's in one another. To see the treasures of Jesus Christ. To bring them out and see them activated and released. So that the fullness of Christ is, is released in this activated priesthood of believers. The point is, it's giant Jesus happening in our midst. That's the future. Ephesians 4.15. Grow up in every way into the head. Uh, into Christ. Which... That's a, that's a funny looking image. A shrunken, emaciated body with a big head. But we're filling out. We're filling out on him. Ephesians 1.10, the plan for the fullness of history is headed toward what? Uniting all things in him that is in Jesus Christ. All of history is headed toward living and exuding the praise and the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. What do you think the marriage supper of the Lamb, the marriage or the wedding songs, the, the Jesus songs of Revelation, what is heaven raving about? And that's where we're headed. That's the future. And since the fullness of Jesus in our church is really our destination, my friends, that's where we're headed. We need to look back and say, what do we need to change and dump to get us there? That takes some courage sometimes. There should be no sacred programs. There's only a sacred Christ, no sacred cows. They make great hamburgers, right? You intentionally make Jesus' disciples. That just means... Uh, Romans 8.29, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The point is, is Jesus has designed us to be conformed to the image of his son. That's everything discipleship is designed to do. It's making you, squeezing you to be like Jesus. Paul should have the same, he had the same agony we should all have. I am in the anguish of childbirth because we tend to lose the head like the Galatians did until Christ is formed in you. We agonize. Christ formed. Are they looking more like Jesus, acting more like Jesus, expressing his personality, doing the things of Jesus? That is the object of discipleship. We make disciples who are in the spitting image of Jesus. It's about a lot of things. We teach a lot of skill sets. But the skill sets like Bible study and prayer and witnessing and and giving, those are skill sets. The object of discipleship is to intentionally form and conform people to Jesus Christ. All teaching is designed to do that. Bringing thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Causing people to be squeezed a little bit more every time. Facing Christ and saying yes and changing a little more to be like Jesus. That's discipleship. There's a, a slide. It's like the impossible slide. So I just, I put it up. This is not your model to go home and do. But I'm saying what we need to be doing is saying, what does a disciple, a disciple who looks like Jesus look like? If we're called to make disciples, what does a made disciple look like? A made disciple, one that's been made, looks like Jesus. And I look at his life and I just have some marker points that I use in my church and I just, you know, I want him to have passion like Jesus, presence like Jesus, purity like Jesus, prophetic like Jesus. That is, prophetic doesn't look like Moses. It looks like Jesus. He's the model. 
I, I study the Old Testament. I love to study the prophets. But I'm not making a culture of Old Testament prophets. It's a new community that reflects Jesus even in the prophetic. Purpose like Jesus. Partnership like Jesus. Power, proclamation, progression, and productivity. How do we become fruitful? Those things are just my marker points. And I believe you can go home as a team and say, how can we intentionally begin to make disciples? We begin to preach some things. We begin to teach some things uh, in order to squeeze intentionally people to be more like Jesus. And letter B, we intentionally make Jesus churches. My church is named Jesus Church International. No, go home and change your name. But we just got to the point where we said the old name just didn't say it. We're just about Jesus. We're about churches, community, and his cause to the nations. Christ, community, and cause. But more than anything, we want no one to come in and guess, what are you, what's your church about? Uh, oh, I see. It's about Jesus. Christ is kind of innocuous and safe sometimes. It's like, you know, we all are used to the Christ. The Christ spirit in some cults. But Jesus provokes and clear, clearly clarifies what we're about. And so we build churches that are ruthlessly, relentlessly focused on Jesus Christ. And, and just here's my other chart, just to confuse us. Not to confuse us. I, I'm bubbling on you. I'm blowing bubbles at you. Don't worry. Uh, if you, don't ask me for my notes either because they're so full of confusion and comments that are off the wall. But man, I, I'm happy to get content to you any way I can. So I just want you to see how all must be made to reflect Jesus. You have many cultures in your church. And, and I just want to highlight this scripture, Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body, his church, that in everything he might have supremacy. First place, I look at my church culture and every culture zone needs to look like Jesus Christ. Editing, editing, editing. Point number three. Retooling your church to fully reflect Jesus. You hold a Jesus filter. What's the next thing you do? Take a Jesus filter over every area and activity in your church. Ask simple questions like, does this thing bring attention, affection, and devotion to Jesus? How does it do that? Is it visible? Is it clear? When it's all said and done, does it uh, move people somewhere else? Is the supremacy of Christ clearly seen and visible in my children's ministry? What's the focus of children's ministry? Is the supremacy of Christ the issue? If not, then we need to have the courage to correct it and dump it and just simply do an honest assessment. What do we need to preserve in the system? What, do we, what basically reflects Jesus that we're willing to take with us? What doesn't reflect him? Dump it. I don't care if you've had the program for 150 years and people are expecting it. Offend a few people and be honoring to Jesus. What we do needs to reflect the eternal Christ. And let me just make uh, a couple of applications here. How do you do this? I wanted to really pick on worship, but because it's kind of my, one of my pet peeves uh, as a leader of a church. We're doing our best to write songs, a worship culture that's about Jesus. 
And that doesn't mean every other line you say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It means you need and must have a deep revelation of Jesus in all dimensions. If you do, then we'll have the songs of the Reformation that are deep in theology and biblical ideas that aren't just a repeating of a scripture verse, saying it in other words, but focusing in on aspects of Jesus. Take the verse, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation, the old has passed away, the new has come. What a bunch of marker points about what we are. In Christ, do a verse on being in Christ. Rich study. New creation. Old, passing away, pointed time, all that it was. Behold, new coming and keeps coming. And all of this is from God. You could make some killer stuff. Let's be expositional in our worship. But the point is not to just add a few Jesus words. Now we're doing Jesus worship. Jesus worship that reveals Christ draws people into a depth with him that didn't exist before. I'm saying the challenge is for you to be in deep students of the word of God and to learn and grow in your own intimate relationship, not sing, just make out songs to Jesus. Lord Jesus, kissy, kissy. It's a place to kiss him. But the whole notion of kissing and worship is to bow prostrate before the king and to acknowledge his rightful rule and reign in our lives. Worship culture. Start putting a, a, a filter over that. I'm just, I'm there. The, the countdown has, has ended. Uh, but I just want to say, here's what you do. You go through every culture zone in your church. Hold the Jesus filter over it and say, is this bringing maximum attention, affection, and devotion to Jesus Christ. Is what we're doing conforming people to the image and likeness of Christ and forming Christ in, the, in you? If it's not doing that, dump it and get the thing that does. And let's see Jesus revealed in his majesty and glory in the future glorious church. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the great one. There is no revelation of heaven that we need to worry about except the revelation of the beloved Son. We pray for your glory, but at the same time in John you said, we have seen his glory, that of the only begotten Son. We've seen Jesus, we have seen what the glory looks like. So Jesus... Enamor us again with you. Realign our churches. When we build, may we be intentional leaders, not haphazard. May everything we do be designed to create disciples in the image and likeness of Jesus and not something else. And Lord, where we're not there today, we don't want to guilt and shame people. We want to just put our head back on straight. So Lord, we invite you to do that. Lord, put... Put the head on straight in my ministry, in my church. Show me where he's not the issue so that we can dump that. And Lord, with that, we know grace, faith, and the power of the Spirit will erupt. We thank you for what you're building and bringing us as partners into it. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for team that's here to be accessible, to help people just get there a little bit further. 
We're not alone. Thank you for Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh,